And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective. I'm Ted Berg, joined as always by a beat writer, a mess beat writer for The Athletic, <laughs> Tim Britton. Tim, I we got waylaid a little bit in recording the show, and we're recording on Tuesday afternoon, and so that derailed my plans for an exhaustive preview of the All-Star game. Um, and so instead, I want to turn to uh, the next, a smaller topic, which is when are the Mets going to trade for Juan Soto? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's All-Star break. It's tough to find topics to talk about at this time of year sometimes. You know, there's just been a couple games since we last last chatted. We we could do an in-depth breakdown of the Mets' Saturday doubleheader sweep of the Cubs. We could we could talk about the home run derby on Monday night. I, I love your idea to do an exhaustive breakdown of the All-Star game. I think it's worth doing, even if most people will listen to this after the All-Star the game takes place. We got we got to look at the individual batter pitcher matchups and see how they'll fare. Uh, I think it's ridiculous that Brian Snicker has Jeff McNeil batting ninth. That's crazy. Uh, I actually have no idea what the rest of the lineup looks like. Uh, but yeah, we will we will instead reach uh, and 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 do uh, reach for a topic that no one really wants to discuss. But we'll get into it anyway, which is uh, the Mets the plausibility of the Mets trading for Juan Soto. The pl- plausibility, nothing. The the uh, let's time it out because you think this is going to be one of those like early because now we're now we're just up at the deadline like now the deadline trades start trickling in so will this be early or is this going to come down to the wire oh this will come down to the wire i think i think this will be a uh you're not sure that once you know i forget what time the deadline is on august 2nd i think it's 6 p.m uh usually it's 4 p.m but i think it's 6 p.m this year um i can google that at some point during the course of this podcast uh but I, i think it will like we will reach the deadline hour and we will not know whether Juan Soto has been traded, is my guess. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's such a... There, there's really no... I'm trying to think of the last name like this that was on the move. And, you know, it's probably Miguel Cabrera when he went from the Marlins to the Tigers. And that was an off-season trade, obviously. So there was a different kind of time pressure to it. Uh, and so, that was... There's also, like, the the Marlins, like, full-blown fire sale was, like, like, like everywhere, right? Like, the, uh, it was another one of those Marlins things. Whereas the Nets has been a more of a slow trickle. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that you would not have expected to be traded, uh, especially earlier this this summer, like a month ago, when the Nationals said we are not going to trade him. Uh, so, you know, for the Met, like the Mets have certain structural advantages in making a trade for Juan Soto, uh, which is a while their prospect system is not deep, it does have the kind of high end talent the Nationals are looking for. Like if you're trying to trade for Soto, you would rather have the Mets farm system than a team with a much better farm system, like the Dodgers farm system, because the Mets have the 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 Francisco Alvarez, they've got the Brett Beatty that you can trade, you can headline this trade with. The Dodgers don't quite have that, uh, in in part because the Nationals already have some of those guys from them from last year's trade. 
Uh, and then, you know, the other main advantage the Mets have that maybe only L.A. has with them is a probable willingness to take back payroll, which is the $66.5 million that, that's owed Patrick Corbin the rest of the way, uh, the $140 million that's owed Steven Strasburg the rest of the way. I don't know that Strasburg becomes really a part of this conversation. He's got 10 and 5 rights to veto a trade. Uh, and that's just such a huge amount of money. Like if you go on, you know, baseball trade values is not perfect. Uh, it's it's okay at what it does. Uh, if you go on baseball trade values and and create a package from the Nationals of Juan Soto, Patrick Corbett, and Steven Strasburg, that is an underwater package. Like the the <laughs> the, the Nationals would trade that to you for nothing essentially based off the values there that um, is exactly that is exactly the deal i was going to go through some other proposed deals before i got to that one but that's what i think the mess should do like right like and 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 i don't mean nothing but like you give them like don't trade alvarez and and don't trade don't you know don't uh, like you you give them like you have tyler mcgill and we take on uh we, we get strasburg and corbin yeah I, like strasburg would have to agree to that i don't know it's hard in the, the structural disadvantage that the Mets have that I was going I mean, to get to uh, is that they're in the division, right? And there's there's you don't want to trade a guy in your division most of the time. Uh, you don't want to trade a superstar in your division. At, oh, at any but point. this is this is and, a singular event, want, right? The, the, because you're not you don't trade a player player like like I feel like the rules go out the window about that. You need to get the best you can best package you can get back for Juan Soto, and I think you you forget about divisional rivalries for that minute. Uh, I think it depends on on the level of other packages you're looking at. The, the Mets would have mm. to pay, like if you if you were looking at two packages and it's kind of uh, six and one half dozen in the other, you take the one that's out of your division. Right. Uh, if it's uh, a dozen in one and six in the other, then you make you, you take the one in division. But the issue is uh, like you know I think the Nationals would be fine trading Juan Soto to the Marlins. I think they'd be they'd be even okay with trading him to Atlanta. That would the, be an amazing. The Marlins would be an amazing turn of events. <laughs> If because, the Marlins traded I mean, we've for seen, Juan We've Soto. seen it before, the, the Piazza deal. Um, right. Because if they did that, you wouldn't feel 100%. You, you'd see some uncertainty in that team's ability and willingness to sign them long term. You know, if you trade, like, it, it actually kind of makes sense for the Marlins to make a move for Juan Soto. They need offense. They've got young pitching. To, to trade a lot of young pitching for Soto, plug him into their offense, and run with it for a year and a half, and then trade him again before he hits free agency. And if you're Washington, that trade's fine with you. Juan Soto's probably not in your division in 2026. If you trade him to the Mets... And he's not hes not making the Marlins the, the best team in the division either. Yeah, if you trade him to the Mets, your fear is that by the time your rebuild is complete, which you hope is 2025-2026, then Juan Soto is... 26 or 27 years old still in his prime and re-signed to a team in your division that you're competing against on a regular basis i think that's the worry is it you know if you're trading a if soto were 32 if soto were a year away from free agency if uh you know if if the timeline of the the team you're trading him to being competitive were not like the next 10 years because that's trading for Juan Soto, he's going to be good for a long time yeah uh, i think that makes it more difficult uh, for the Mets to trade from in division, I've heard very like I've heard some people have told me that it's a premium that they have to pay. They they've got to have the best offer clearly, and I heard one person say it's essentially impossible. The the deal you suggested in uh, the Athletic did a roundup of of different uh, beat writers from different teams proposing deals. Uh, you said take on Corbin with Soto, and they trade Alvarez 
And you said a selection of top 100 talents like Brett Beatty, Ronnie Mauricio, Mark Fientos, Alex Ramirez, and Matt Allen. Uh, how many? How many are you speaking here? Because that's that's a that's that's general. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, if you take back Corbin, it's probably Alvarez, Beatty, and maybe Ramirez or Mauricio. It's probably three of those guys total, uh, especially if you include mm-hmm. Alvarez. Um, and I thought uh, I was actually reading Sam Baseball Prospectus. Jared Seidler did a good story on kind of the kinds of prospects that the Nationals like. Uh, they're a team that, that is higher. They, they kind of emphasize upside and athleticism more than maybe uh, actual you know, like certain skills like bat-to-ball skills. So players like Mauricio and Ramirez that you can dream on a little bit more, maybe have a lower floor than some other prospects, are the types of guys they might be interested in more than some mm-hmm. other teams. Uh, but, you know, it's it's going to be something that really hurts uh, your prospect system, but you do that for a guy who's 23. Like, there, I know there's a, a rather significant portion of the fan base that says you don't trade Francisco Alvarez for Juan Soto. And that's crazy to me because... That's definitely crazy. Like, Alvarez... His ceiling, like not straight up, straight up. They wouldn't trade Francisco Alvarez for. That's not even. Don't even engage that. <laughs> like you, like you right? can't have a. You know, you, you can't have a package that includes this guy because he's going to be so good. You know, Soto is three years older. Like it's it's not a guy who you're not trading for Aaron Judge here, who's thirty, and you have reasonable concerns about how he's going to age in the near near future. Uh, this is a guy who's twenty three, who is better than Aaron Judge, by the way, who's who's who does everything well on a baseball field. Uh, and if your primary objection is like catcher versus corner outfielder uh i don't think alvarez is a sure enough thing as a defensive catcher to make you know it's not francisco alvarez's offensive potential combined with ivan rodriguez's defensive acumen like there's a chance that he's not a guy who catches 120 games for you on a yearly basis in which case he's still extremely valuable obviously still an mvp candidate of value if he hits his offensive ceiling but it's not that you know it doesn't give you the marginal value you might think otherwise if he's and it's just not a sure thing and he's he's the best prospect in the system since Ahmed Rosario you know that that's the last guy who had this kind of hype behind him Alvarez has done more statistically at the minor league level certainly than than Rosario did Rosario was kind of that high upside guy that that we're talking about with Washington Uh, but you know there's there's the chance that that's what he ends up as you know that that he ends up as a, a nice everyday player like a good everyday catcher you know matt weeders was the right. greatest catching prospect that anyone had ever seen uh, i mean people still like in in the nerdiest corners of the baseball internet people still like praise the prospect hype of matt weeders the best thing since sliced bread what was it sliced bread is the best thing since matt weeders or something right, like that. yeah yeah so you know there's just I actually I, i've actually been meaning to look at this for a couple of years anecdotally it seems like catcher prospects don't succeed uh at the same level as others but that's probably just anecdotal but you know if, well like, like i mean the it's best just cat- also it's rare to see any catcher ha- enjoy like sustained success it's just not a position where people tend to last i mean the, the best catcher of the last decade obviously i think is buster posey uh right. if would you trade buster posey's prime for juan soto's prime you know, um, and that's like knowing what it's going to be. Uh, and right. and I think like, you can make a strong yeah, argument. Yeah. You would like Buster Posey won an MVP. He won three World Series. You're, you're not giving that part as part of his individual prime necessarily. Uh, but, you know, there's only so much you can do as a catcher offensively. Your prime is necessarily shorter because of the rigors of the position. Uh, these are all arguments, I think, that that make 
you know, you, you trade Francisco Alvarez for this type of talent. There's not a lot of talents you trade him for. You don't include him for a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of this season. You don't include him for uh, a guy who's got two more years of control but is in his 30s. But for a guy who is 23, uh, who has the track record of Soto uh, and has the team control of Soto for two and a half more seasons, uh, that that's the kind of guy you, you make that move for. Yeah, and, and I am totally psyched for Alvarez and... and would like to see him reach the Mets and succeed. Like he, everything you read about him makes him sound like he'll be a, a very fun guy to watch. And also like he might be a, an all-star catcher, but like you just, like you said, Matt Wieters, like you just, you just don't know with prospects and, and with Soto and you're talking, it's not, and you're not talking about, like you said, it's better. He's better than judge and he's 23 years old. He's a, he's like potentially a generational player. And to be able to deal for that guy for like, this situation to even come up where a guy like that is available at age 23 is, like I said before, it's, it's singular. It just doesn't happen. Um, and so I feel like you, if you can make that move, you make that move. You know, like I don't, I don't know that the Mets will, will be able to match other teams' packages. Um, I think that I, what you said is, is right about you know their ability to take on money will help. I saw a package on on SNY suggested that was Alvarez. Um, two of of Beatty, Vientos, and Mauricio, plus McGill and Jeff McNeil for for Soto. I would say that that would be around where I drew the line. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was I think Anthony McCarron's right, suggested package, and that like that's where you're getting to. Uh, it, it's tough to swallow, right? When you're taking because off I've, your major, I don't aggression. even know. Like, I don't even know that that makes your and Soto's awesome. I don't even know that that makes your twenty. 22 team necessarily better for the long haul because it means that if you if you lose one infielder you have uh creamer robert robinson starting games <laughs> right like and that's no no disrespect to creamer robinson but i hadn't i had never heard his name until 10 minutes before the show when i tried to look up their the next guy on their infield depth chart yeah so i, I think uh you know and and mcneil would be the type of guy that washington would trade for in order to spin off elsewhere because if you're trading soto you're you know mcneil i think has the same amount of team control as, as soto does uh the rest of his his deal so uh that would be you know you trade him to get younger again uh behind him uh, i think i think mcgill would be someone that uh i think other teams will be asking about throughout uh this this uh trade deadline season as a, a young starter who's got some established track record in the major leagues, uh, but that the Mets might, you know, are not going to get a whole lot of lot out of this year or, you know, certainly not out of the rotation. They might use him out of the bullpen when he comes back, but a guy who might come up in, in trade conversations, it would not stun me if he got moved uh, between now and August 2nd, but you know, yeah. throwing him on, throwing him on top of that list. Um, th- I, I, I wouldn't expect like that deal with McGill, I think is is plausible, but not with McNeil as well. Yeah, no, and and I and uh, and I buy that, and I think that deal, like that's it. That deal, even without McNeil, is sort of just if you're if you're like if you're taking away the whole farm system, that's sort of a, a tough like the because like you said, like because they just have this top end talent and they don't have that depth, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow, even for Juan Soto to be like, okay, now you have no more of that top end of a top end talent it's it's all gone um and so it it becomes like there usually you think of these deals as like one team is taking the risks of like the uh, associated with prospects for the short thing but then like giving up so much like so much volume 
for one player, but just puts any risk on like if Soto gets hurt or or becomes ineffective, which there's no evidence that he'll do. Um, now that's it. Like that's it. You're 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 betting your future on this guy. Yeah, and the, look, there's. I don't know how many other guys in baseball you would even contemplate this kind of move for because uh, you, you wouldn't do it for Mike Trout because <laughs> Mike, Mike Trout is too old. Uh, you probably wouldn't even do it for Shohei Otani because he's too close to free agency because he's a year and you a half away. You wouldn't even do it for Tatis Jr. now, right? Right, like because, you know, because of hurt. the injury concerns. Um, I'm looking at – I don't think Fangrass has done their, their trade value rankings this year yet. Uh, I think that usually comes uh, in the next week or so, but – uh, they they ranked Soto fifth last year, really only behind guys who have signed below market extensions like uh, like Albies and Acuna Jr. Uh, and then I think it's Vlad Guerrero Jr. and uh, and Tatis. Tatis, I think it, that you'd have a, a, a very different feel based off of what's happened in the last year with with him physically. Uh, so uh, you know, I don't know that there's a single player in baseball that you would not trade straight up for Juan Soto. Uh, it's probably him or Wander Franco that you're thinking about uh, in those terms. Uh, and that's that's a pretty select company. Yeah, uh, it would be a very cool thing if the Mets could could swing it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I wonder about I wonder about the Strasburg thing. Like, what I wonder what his take on that would be. Like, you know, I like if you're in his position, do you throw the Nats a bone and waive your your ten and five rights and 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 get traded? Like, not necessarily to the Mets, just to anyone. Yeah, you know, you wonder if if you know, Strasburg is, is obviously a SoCal guy. If if the Dodgers or Padres. Uh, are more appealing to him the angel the angels but i don't think they're they're going to be in this market for a trade uh if those teams appeal to him more um but that would be wild but still it's it's really hard like san diego can't take on strasburg's money <laughs> like right. i thought it was fascinating ken rosenthal had a, a piece where he wrote you know that there are some teams beyond the usual suspects that can make a move for soto and he included the padres and the usual suspects which like imagine hearing that four years ago yeah uh, and, yeah. it, and it tells you like what an aggressive general manager, what an ownership willing to spend can do for a franchise. That the the San Diego Padres are one of the usual suspects, always involved in these huge negotiations. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, the Dodgers' willingness to take on that amount of money, 
maybe I, I don't know I, I you know we, we don't know whether Steve Cohen what he feels about that I'd have to do the math on that because it'd be you're adding you know roughly 65 million between Corbin and Strasburg to your payroll uh, you've got to add Soto's going to make 25 ish million next year at least uh, so that's 90 million uh, for Soto if, if you're including both of those pitchers you're basically paying 90 million for Soto I don't know what you expect to get out of Corbin and Strasburg moving forward and that 90 million problem- is a lot of money <laughs> do you know I've just looked this up on his Wikipedia page again right before the show do you know like the the last I, I can find the last annual income for Steve Cohen is from 2020 do you know how much money he made in 2020 uh, I believe it, it's probably 10 figures <laughs> Uh, 1.7 billion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that 90 million he can cover. And and 2020 that was saying, a, that was a rough financial year for a lot of people. Yeah, so. I don't know. But like I also saw someone refer to him as like hedge like he's like him to his legendary status among hedge fund guys, right? So like the richest people in the world are like that guy knows how to make money. <laughs> right. Uh <laughs> The, the returns that they got uh, with consistency would have made Bernie Madoff jealous. Um, right. And then they got him for real. Uh, so, yeah, like... It's, he, it's can a, take it, he can swing it. He can swing it. It's, is he willing to... You know, if you're talking about bringing Do on it. Soto, you're starting... And, and look, if you... You know, Jacob deGrom, you're going to have to pay. Uh, Pete Alonso, you're going to have to pay. Jeff McNeil, you're going to have to pay at some point. If you want, you're not going to pay any of them $1.7 billion, <laughs> And next year, you're going to make another $1.7 billion. If you want to keep the band together like that, you're talking about not not a three hundred million dollar payroll, probably not a four hundred million dollar payroll. You're talking about something like four fifty or maybe even higher than that. So uh, it's it's what is he willing to spend on it to to take back all of those contracts? I my guess and and look, it's it's just after a CBA negotiation, so uh, it's it's probably easier for him to be. Uh, aggressive in that like there's not going to be stipulations built into the CBA in the next year to prevent him from doing something uh, the way there were were last year so you know that they're up against that so-called Cohen tax already like what's the difference between going one million dollars over it and 200 million dollars over it think of how mad the other owners would be they would be so mad and there's nothing they can do about it and he's just going to take on all of the bad salaries for Juan Soto and have like the best team because then he's going to sign Aaron Judge too. One of the I don't they they will have a team full of right fielders with 450 on base percentage. <laughs> One of the things that would have been really interesting, uh, and again I'll mention and Seidler's work at BP because he's written about this for a couple of years, is the idea of the Mets blowing up the draft, where you know, like you you know teams have their bonus pool money, uh, and if you exceed it by by more than I think five percent, uh, then you start to lose draft picks in the future. But there's always been this loophole where like if a team just wanted to you know. The Mets bonus pool was was fourteen or sixteen million dollars. If they wanted to spend eighty million dollars in the draft, like you know, you still lose the same amount of picks as if you spent twenty million dollars in the draft. Uh, and so they could, you know, this year the Mets could have gone in and and tried to float certain high draft prospects to their picks at eleven and fourteen, and said, you know, we'll sign Brock Porter, the the high school pitcher who uh, uh, was among the, the the top prospects who went in the fourth round to Texas because they. They, they had the money to, to give him the bonus there. Uh, they could have done that with a bunch of guys, basically replenished the farm system, and then traded what they have for Juan Soto. And that would have been a really... Like, if the Mets started that process at the draft on, on Sunday night, uh, that would have really uh, accelerated the speculation from my end, a lot more so than just drafting a catcher in the first round does. Yeah, now you, you just took me down several pegs. Because... <laughs> 
now I'm like, oh, why didn't they do that? They should have done that, right? Because that would have really made the, like, oh, like I'm just gonna I'm gonna be go full Maverick here. The the Mets now are this team that's gonna do this stuff and like that and like if it were any other team, I would be so mad about that too. But uh, if the Mets do that, I think that will be cool. I mean, you can exploit loopholes in the system. That is that is. Look, it's yeah. what hedge fund guys do all the time, right? That's yeah. They should that's bring in Bill Belichick. Bring bring in Bill Belichick, and uh, perhaps as like some sort of advisor. <laughs> that's like the uh, the MLB draft, the uh, the fantasy draft we did as as beat reporters at the start of the season. Uh, like if someone picked Bill Belichick as their GM, uh, and we were split as a beat writing core whether that was a smart move or an idiotic one. Uh, I have a question unrelated to the Juan Soto acquisition. Were, did you watch the the full home run derby, and did you see the clip of Pete Alonso doing deadlifts? Uh, I saw it on Twitter after. I did not watch the full thing. Uh, okay, so you also don't have the context for that because I was watching without the volume on uh, because my you know when my kids are around, I tend to turn the volume off or or else they get so distracted. Uh, so I just saw this video of, of Pete Alonso in full uniform doing exercises totally out of context. And I'm curious about it, and I'm curious as to why it is not. Like, I have not seen it yet used as a meme of any sort uh, because it was very silly. And I, and I think my main question was, like, was there something goofy that he was doing by doing his, his exercises in full uniform or did he not bring workout clothes with him to L.A.? And it was like, oh, yeah, I'll shoot myself doing the deadlift. But, like, guys, I got to do it in uniform because I don't have any other athletic clothes. Uh, my assumption, just watching it very quickly, was that, like, the suggestion was he was doing this between rounds or, like, just before the derby. Um, huh. But I, I don't I also, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this because it's something that I'm very passionate about, but I know a lot of people aren't. Uh, it really bothers me that they they don't wear the team uniforms for the the All Star game anymore. That they wear yeah. them for the Derby, and then they wear the other stupid ones for the the game. Well, because they got to sell a product, right? Like it's a but like that's like that horse has left the barn. But obviously, you're right. It's so cool to see like all of the different uniforms on the same field. That's part of the fun of the All Star game, which is limited. Do you uh, do you ever see like the All Star game jerseys in the wild at a ballpark and uh, just shake your head? at them because like you'll see <laughs> i just I'll assume see. that meant oh that person went to that all-star game right like and i think it's funny because a lot of times those all-star game jerseys have some tie to the the city that hosts it like you know when the mets did it they were orange and blue and they had kind of the mets uh serif font across with national or american and i remember seeing maybe it was like a robinson cano jersey from when he was on the yankees and appeared in that all-star game uh, and I thought, what a strange jersey to buy if you were a Yankees right. fan. That is essentially a product like advertising the Mets in some capacity. Uh, and I don't, I don't know why anyone would ever buy an all like just having a, a jersey with the All Star Game patch would seem to be a much better purchase. But even, I mean, even that, like, uh, there's there's a lot of that that I don't really get. Like, I don't get. They sell, you know, the spring training hats, which are fine hats, but then they have like a huge grapefruit league sticker on the <laughs> or a patch on the side. It's like, who reps the grapefruit league so hard that they want that patch on their hat? I, I don't like. I don't get that at all. I will give baseball a modicum of credit here uh, that the All Star Game hats with the little star are fine. 
I'm not anti those hats. I'm I am typically anti whatever hat that baseball comes up for special occasions. And I like how uh, Paul Blackburn of the Oakland Athletics will be able to wear a hat that has the, the, the star replacing the apostrophe. That yeah, that that's a good one. I these are yeah these are I- inoffensive as all star hats go would be how I would rank them. Yeah, we should have just talked about Soto the whole time. Uh, we should have. We have a couple of questions. Um, one, someone was pulling my leg. I got. We got an email, and I almost bought it. It took me a while to catch on. Paul wrote that he is certain that Trevor Williams' tattoo is a crow, not a raven. It is on his strong arm. He got it when he was traded for Pete Crow Armstrong. <laughs> uh, he didn't. I looked. I looked, Paul. I looked, and he had it when he was on the Pirates. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that inventiveness, though. Uh, it's good. It's I, it, it, I was like, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> that, that was my imitation of me reading that email. Uh, Adam wants to know, who do you think will end up with a higher war during the 10 years of the Lindor contract, Lindor or McNeil? Hmm. Um. Lindor kind of has the built-in advantage as a defensive player, as a, as a, a really good defensive player at a premium position. Um, and uh, what are the what is the age difference between them at this point? Because Lindor, I believe, is still uh, <laughs> is still is younger than McNeil. Uh, he is two years younger, uh, so I th- I think it's going to be Lindor, uh, especially if, you, if we're going by Fangraphs' war. I don't know that there is a, a different war that would that would rate them differently. Um, I think you know McNeil is, is obviously a, a really good player uh, and a guy who, who's very deserving of being in the All Star game this season. Uh, but I think it's still probably going to end up Francisco just because of uh, the the defensive value he brings. Like he's got the top WAR on the team right now. He's he's three and a half, uh, and McNeil is just two point four. Uh, and it doesn't feel like Lindor's having this outstanding season, right? But uh, WAR values what he does as a defender at shortstop more than maybe the average fan does. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that, like you said, like the just for being an above-average defensive shortstop, it's like your your floor is really like two wins a season, even if he if he can't hit. Like, yeah, and and he can hit still, you know. But like even if it became, oh, he's an all glove no hit shortstop, that guy is still valuable. Whereas if that happened, and there's no evidence that McNeil will stop hitting either, but. McNeil has a because of the the defensive value just a lower floor that way. Uh, yeah, plus the age difference and the fact that Lindor is is seems to be better than him. Uh, it you know on a per year basis now. Yeah, I think it's Lindor. Adam Adam was guessing yeah, that uh, it would be McNeil, but I think it's Lindor as well. According to Fangraphs, Lindor already has a four win lead on McNeil in the last two years in the season and a half since he's been here. Uh, which is is pretty remarkable because it was a 4.2 for him last year versus 1.3 for McNeil. Uh, And I think he has a fairly sizable lead if you go with a a baseball reference version as well. Yeah, last year on baseball reference, 3.1 to McNeil's uh, little hover thing isn't coming up. 1.4, yeah. So he he has like a a two and a half uh, or three three win head start on the on the baseball version as well so it's i think i think it's comfortably lindor yeah i I would agree with that 
If you have a question for the show, you can get at us on Twitter. I am at OG Ted Berg. Tim is at Tim Britton. You can email asktedberg at gmail.com. Always nice to hear from people. Uh, otherwise, Tim, we will talk later in the week when the Mets start playing games again. Adios. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.